In tonight's episode, we'll be hunting down the constellations Cygnus, Lyra and Aquila, plus finding Jupiter and Saturn using nothing more than just our eyes. So get ready to join me on a journey into the night sky. The following episode is ideal for listeners in the UK, Northern Europe, Northern USA and Canada during July 2020. You're listening to The Pocket Astronomer, your audio guide to the stars. I'm Mark Thompson and I'm addicted to stargazing. After listening to this podcast, I really hope you will be too. Each episode, I'll walk you through a series of observations that anyone can make. Kids, grown-ups and even grandma. And you won't need a telescope or binoculars, just a warm coat and a sense of adventure. Tonight, we're going to be exploring the constellations Cygnus, Lyra and Aquila, plus hunting down the giant planets Jupiter and Saturn. Unfortunately, we have late sunsets to contend with during July, so I'm afraid it will have to be a bit of a late night to get the most out of this podcast. If you're listening during the first week of July, then you'll need to head outside around 1am local time. If you're listening around the middle of the month, then aim for midnight, and near the end of July, you can head outside around 11pm local time. The constellation of Cygnus is one of the most prominent constellations in the northern summer sky, and it's really easy to spot thanks to its distinctive cross shape. It represents a bird in flight, and there are many different myths. One tells how it's the bird into which Zeus transformed to seduce Leda, the queen of Sparta. The brightest star in Cygnus is known as Alpha Cygni or Deneb, and it's the 19th brightest star in the sky. We'll hunt it down later, and you'll see that it sits at the corner of the Summer Triangle, a group of three stars that make up a well-known pattern of stars. Lyra is home to Vega, one of the other stars in the Summer Triangle. It's quite a small constellation, and is one of the few that actually looks a bit like the object it's supposed to represent, a musical instrument known as a lyre. It's also home to one of the most stunning deep sky objects of the northern hemisphere sky, the Ring Nebula, but unfortunately you need a telescope or good binoculars to see it. Deneb and Vega are two corners of the Summer Triangle. The third is Altair in the constellation Aquila. Aquila is one of the fainter constellations in the summer sky and represents the eagle of Zeus who held his thunderbolts. Jupiter is the largest planet in the solar system with a diameter of 140,000 kilometers. It could easily swallow up all of the planets in the solar system and still have room to spare. And finally, Saturn is one of my favorite objects to look at. It's a fascinating world whose density is so low that it would float on water if only you could find a body of water large enough. It was the first thing I saw through a telescope when I was 10 years old. And it was that view that got me hooked on astronomy. I hope it gets you hooked too. Now we know what we're looking for, let's get ready to head outside. And for those of you staying tucked up in bed, check out our Facebook page at The Pocket Astro for some suggested images to enjoy alongside the audio. Before you head outside, here are four important things to remember. Make sure you wrap up warm. Make sure your garden is free from any trip hazards. If you start to feel cold or disorientated, 
don't be afraid to take a break. You can pause and rewind this guide at any point. When you're ready, we'll begin. Glad you could make it. Now let's get ready to do some stargazing. But first, we need to get our eyes acclimatised to the night sky. First make sure you've turned out any lights in the garden or house. Or if others are still there, perhaps it's a bit kinder to just close the curtains you might have. Don't worry, if you need to do that now, just hit pause and I'll wait for you. Great. Now, find yourself a comfortable spot. I like to stand, but you might find it easier to sit down or even lie on the grass. Just watch out for any objects before you lie down. Press pause and when you're ready, I'll be here. Comfortable? Good. Now, count to 20 whilst you let your eyes get used to the dark. This gives the iris of your eye time to fully open or dilate. It actually takes a good 40 minutes for your eyes to become fully dark adapted, so you'll notice that you can see more and more as we wander among the stars together. 5, 4, 3, 2 and 1. There. You should now be starting to see the sky more clearly. Let's find our starting point, Vega in Lyra. And it's really easy to find. Just look straight up and find the bright star which is almost overhead. That's Vega in Lyra. Now turn to face it. Brilliant. Now we're all ready to make our first observation. The constellation of Lyra. We've already located Lyra because we've just found Vega. It's the really bright star we just saw. Take a close look. What colour is it? Vega is a blue-white star. We can tell how hot a star is by looking at its colour. It's a bit like watching a metal poker in a fire. It starts to glow red before glowing white and finally blue. Blue-white stars like Vega are hotter than orange-red stars and Vega has a surface temperature of 9,600 degrees. The Sun, on the other hand, is a yellow star and so its temperature is cooler at 6,000 degrees. OK, now we've found the brightest star in Lyra, let's move on. I'm going to introduce something new now, a special measurement that I can use to guide you around the sky. The fist width. Extend your arm, clench your fist, and usefully the width of your fist covers about 10 degrees on the sky. Now point your fist at the sky and place it below Vega and slightly to the left, and you'll see a faint parallelogram of stars. Looks like a square that's being pushed over. This makes up the main shape of the constellation. Can you see it? Don't worry if you get stuck. Simply press rewind and listen to these instructions again. Otherwise, press pause and I'll be ready for you when you found it. If you've got dark skies, 
then look to the upper left of Vega by one finger width at arm's length. There's a faint star right on the limit of naked eye visibility called Epsilon Lyra, a double, double star. The stars tend to have more than one name. The brighter star in Lyra is of course called Vega, but it's got another name, Alpha Lyra. This alternate name is called its Bayer designation and is made up of a letter from the Greek alphabet and the name of the constellation. The Greek letter tells us how bright the star is because usually the brighter star in a constellation is named Alpha after the first letter in the Greek alphabet and the second brighter star is named Beta after the second letter and so on. Back to Epsilon Lyra. Epsilon is the fifth letter of the Greek alphabet so Epsilon Lyra is the fifth brighter star in Lyra. Around half of all stars in the night sky are binary star systems, which means two stars in orbit around each other. But whilst to the naked eye Epsilon Lyra looks like just a normal star, binoculars reveal it to be two stars, except telescopes reveal each of those to be two stars, hence Epsilon Lyra is actually four stars. To finish, how about a quick challenge? How many stars can you count within one fist width of Vega? It will depend on the sky conditions, your eyes, and also whether the moon is visible. On a good night like tonight, I can see about nine stars. Great, that's the constellation Lyra. Next up is Cygnus. The constellation of Cygnus. To find Cygnus, you now need to start back at Vega. Now move two fist widths to the left until you come across a star a little fainter but still brighter than many other stars in the sky. You've now hopped over to the brightest star in Cygnus known as Deneb. You'll know it's Cygnus because extending from Deneb to the lower right, you can see a giant celestial cross. Again, don't worry if you get stuck, simply rewind and listen to these instructions. Otherwise, press pause and I'll be ready for you when you found it. Right. Now we've got Cygnus in our sights, let's find the rest of the constellation. Less than one fist width to the lower right of Deneb is Gamma Cygni. Continue on in that direction for just under another two fist widths to Albario, which marks the head of the bird. Press pause and take a few minutes to enjoy the observation, or if you need any help, simply rewind and listen again. Head back to Gamma Cygni again. One fist width below Gamma Cygni is Epsilon Cygni, which represents one wing of the bird. One fist width above Gamma Cygni is Delta Cygni, which represents the other wing. If you need a little more time, simply pause or rewind to listen again. Thank you. 
One of the great things about Cygnus is that it can be used as a pointer to finding the Milky Way. The Milky Way is a faint band of light coming from the combined light from the stars in our galaxy. Following the line from Deneb to Albario and then further down and to the right, you'll see the brighter portions of the Milky Way star clouds. Don't worry if you can't find them, as it needs to be really dark to be seen. Cygnus is a great constellation and we can use it to guide us around the night sky. Let's move on to Aquila. The constellation of Aquila. It's easy to find Aquila. Can you recall the two bright stars we've seen already tonight? Vega and Deneb in Lyra and Cygnus, otherwise known as the Summer Triangle. The final star completing the triangle is Altair, and you can find it three fist widths below Vega. As before, if you get stuck, simply rewind and listen again to these instructions. Otherwise, press pause and start your stargazing. Altair is the brightest star in Aquila, and now you've found it, you've got a great way of confirming you've definitely found Albario in Cygnus. We've skipped back a little bit here, but now that you can find all the stars in the Summer Triangle, you'll notice that Albario is smack in the middle of the triangle. Pause as much as you like, or rewind if you need some help. Take a look at the colour of Aquila and compare it to the colour of Vega and Deneb. Vega and Deneb are blue-white stars, whilst Altair is a yellow-white star. That tells us that it's cooler than the other two with a surface temperature of 7,800 degrees. There's another faint constellation just above Aquila and it's called Sagitta, the arrow. You can find it one fist width directly above Aquila. It looks like a thin triangle laying on its side pointing to the left. It's a great pointer to the constellation Vulpecula, which we'll explore in another podcast. Now take in the whole summer triangle with Deneb and Vega at the top and Altair at the bottom. Just spend a moment gazing around the triangle. You might notice a faint band of light running from Deneb at the upper left down to the right of Altair in Aquila, and then on down to the horizon. The band of light is coming from the combined light of the billions of stars in our galaxy. You might notice dark patches in the band, which are huge intergalactic dust clouds, but we'll explore this more in the next episode. Excellent. Who'd like to find some planets? Jupiter. Time to find the solar system's largest planet. You'll know you've found a planet because unlike stars, they don't twinkle. Jupiter is like a bright, non-twinkling, pale yellow star. You really can't miss it this month because it sits below Altair in Aquila by three fist widths. You'll see a really bright object there. That is Jupiter. 
Ready? Press pause and start your stargazing, or rewind if you want to hear the instructions again. So this is Jupiter, shining at us from 624 million kilometres away. Planets don't twinkle because they are so much closer to us and the light from them is less disturbed by our atmosphere. If you've got a bird-watching telescope, then try pointing that at Jupiter and see if you can spot its four brightest satellites, Io, Europa, Ganymede and Callisto. Take a few moments to enjoy or rewind if you need some help. Saturn. Now, let's move on to Saturn. You'll need a telescope to see its rings, but we can easily see the planet with the unaided eye. During July, it's so easy to find, less than one fist width to the left of Jupiter. Ready? Press pause and start your stargazing, or rewind if you want to hear these instructions again. How easy was that? So this is Saturn, 731 million kilometres further away than Jupiter. As you can see, it's fainter than Jupiter, but like Jupiter, it shines with a pale yellow light. It's amazing to think that while you're looking at Saturn, the light hitting the back of your eye has been travelling for quite some time. We see all the planets because they reflect sunlight. Now, the light was generated in the core of the Sun about 100,000 years ago. It then travels for 79 minutes to get to Saturn, bounces off the planet and travels for another 75 minutes to reach us here on Earth. That means we see the planet Saturn as it was 75 minutes ago. We are looking back in time to a point before you started this podcast. Take a few moments to enjoy or rewind if you need some help. Now I don't know about you, but I'm ready to head inside for some hot chocolate. Take it easy, as the bright lights indoors may seem a bit overwhelming to start with. Well done! With just your eyes, you found three constellations and two planets. That's not bad for an evening stargazing. My favourite part about tonight's observations was hunting down Saturn. It's bright and easy to find, and every time I see it, it reminds me of when I was 10 years old and saw it for the first time. Before we go, there's just time to answer a few listeners' questions. Dave Griffiths asks, what causes the green glow of light in the Martian atmosphere? Well, the atmosphere of Mars is about 100 times thinner than the atmosphere of the Earth, but its composition is quite different. The main component of our atmosphere is nitrogen, but Mars has got an atmosphere that's 95% carbon dioxide and only 0.13% of oxygen. Green glow is known as night glow and it's caused by the interaction of sunlight with the oxygen, causing it to give off a continuous but faint glow of green light. 
Glenn Parrish asks, what's the best beginner's camera for astrophotography and what would be the best objects to take pictures of? Well, that's a great question, Glenn, but to answer it fully would mean a podcast all of its own. But as a rough guide, any entry-level DSLR camera would be a great start. You'll also need a good sturdy tripod, a method to take the pictures without touching the camera, something like an intervalometer is a brilliant choice, that's like a modern equivalent of a cable release, and a wide angle lens. With that setup, you'll be able to get some brilliant pictures of star trails, pictures of the Milky Way, maybe the Aurora, and if you're really lucky, the odd meteor. Next episode, we'll be exploring the Milky Way, hunting down the Andromeda Galaxy, and be on the lookout for the planet Mars. If you've got any questions you want to ask me, just email me, mark at thepocketastronomer.com, and I might read yours out on the show. Equally, I would love to receive your astronomical pictures, the best ones I'll share on our Twitter feed, at The Pocket Astro. Thanks for joining me on my audio guide to the stars. I can't wait to see you again next month. I'm Mark Thompson. Goodbye. The Pocket Astronomer was a Wide of the Chicken production. It was written and presented by Mark Thompson with help from Lorraine Kelly. The producers were Amber Miller and Dan Page. If you enjoyed the show, please do three nice things for us. Subscribe, rate us on iTunes and tell a friend.